Ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chicky Fitzgerald. Good afternoon. It is Chicky Fitzgerald, and we are going to be finding the wow today. Uh, we're going to be talking about a book that was written by M.J. Margraff, and the book is about how dreams take flight at midlife. So for those of you who have been thinking maybe life has passed you by and maybe you don't love what you're doing and, and you've always had a dream and never done anything about it, just hang on to your seat. MJ, welcome. Good morning, Chicky. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, that's glad right. to be you here. Are, you are uh, I'm on the West other Coast. than the East Coast. <laughs> that's it. Remind me of where you live. Um, I'm east of San Francisco in the East oh, Bay of terrific. the Bay Area. Terrific. Well, I'm in Tampa, Florida, and it is a glorious day here. This is my favorite time of year when we can have the windows open and low humidity, and it's uh -huh. just gorgeous. Yeah, much chillier and rainier here right now. <laughs> well, I always say that Florida is the best-kept secret in the country. You know, we have uh, 335 days of sunshine, which is why we earned the Sunshine State moniker. Oh, okay, I'm moving out next week. <laughs> well, uh, we moved here 20 years ago, and I do not regret it for one second. So uh, we oh, are, yeah, we welcome wonderful. people uh, uh, from from any coast. Uh, I told my husband when we were going to move here, I said, well, how do you feel about moving to the Bay Area? And and of course he was just being silly. He knew he knew what I meant, but he's like, "Oh, great! You know, the Forty ers are my team." And it's like, "No, not that Bay Area, this Bay Area." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're you're part of Space Country, and that's part of my story. So, um, that's you know, Florida's right. got a got a soft spot in my heart. Well, absolutely. And actually, Kennedy Space Center was a client of mine for a couple of years, so we have a little bit uh, in common mm -hmm. there. So, MJ, why don't you tell us a little bit about yeah. your story? before you wrote the book, and yes. and really what led you to putting your story down on paper? Well, um, Kiki, is, I'm really excited to be here because, you know, uh, it turns out that January is a, is a big month of change. You know, it's, it's when people most um, start looking at changing their careers and changing their lives, and, and that, that sort of segues into your question for me. Um, about 13 years ago, I made a major course correction to my life. And, um, you know, my fate was sealed the minute that I, I took the first step, but it was a difficult first step. So um, I'm in my mid-40s, and I'm a stay-at-home mom at that time, right. 13 years ago. That was my role, my chosen role. And, you know, carpools and scouts and after-school stuff. And my schedule was very full and very busy. But I knew it wasn't very, oh, you know, enlightening. It right, was really right. missing that zest. Well, and and, and so the story begins. Uh, and again, you you lay out that 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 story about how busy, right? You were very very busy in your life, and and really involved 
at a level that many of us have wanted to be involved in our kids' lives, but, you know, it just hasn't been able to happen. Um, and so the story begins with this weekly planner and the, and this <laughs> book being being your Bible of, of you know, what, what to do next and yeah. who has to be where, when, and, and it, it really provided you, uh, you know, kind of the guidance through the days of your life. But, but more importantly, it, it really uh, was a pivotal moment uh, when you lost it. So, so talk to us about that morning the the infamous lost planner and and it's still out there in the void somewhere well the the paper <laughs> pencil planner is um you know frankly confidentially with all the high tech stuff i have i still have one and 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 i had one then and it had you know the days of the week laid out and the times and who i was supposed to meet and when and like so many planners in all of our lives it dictates what you do in fact it 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 really tells us who we are by what we do and um, and I went to reach for it one day. My children were eight and ten at the time, and and uh, and it wasn't there. And I knew I had things, and it was very very upsetting. So I rushed the children off to school, and you know, went to the uh, went to the stationery store to buy a new one. And that it turns out was the the the, the tipping point. I'd lost my planner, and I picked up the new one. And the, the the clerk came, and I'm just thumbing through this, and it's suddenly dawning on me. And she said, "Can I help you?" And I said, "This planner, there's nothing in it." <laughs> and she said, "Well, we tend to sell more of them that way." <laughs> but the important thing was it 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 had that dual question: refill it or rewrite it. And how could I put the essential stuff in and go follow a childhood dream? And that was the that was the turning point. And so, talk to us about the dream and and really what fed what fed that dream and and gave you that desire uh, that you're going to tell us about when, as we talk about the book. Well, you know, um, it was it was to become something much more than I could have ever imagined, but. But when I was a kid in the 60s, I really wanted to, to be in the air. I, I loved airplanes, and I loved space. And I thought, you know, one day maybe I'll be a pilot, and one day I'll maybe be an astronaut. And and it just, you know, uh, the turn of events in our lives and the choices we make sometimes don't parallel that for lots of reasons. What's convenient, what our, you know, the older adults in our lives influence us to do, et cetera, and other choices but I went back to that because it still rang for me, Chicky. So I thought, okay, I'm probably too old for NASA. Who wants a midlife mom? For, you know? <laughs> but what about being a pilot? And so, um, so I studied for a year and found that, and this is where I started to realize, there are three key steps to change and disruption, and I was in the first step. And, and one of the other things that led up to that, and I, I just want to interject this uh, for our listeners, was you had this really, really deep relationship um, with your aunt. And she she ended up having a, a problem with her health that, that uh, you know, occurred uh, at a time when, again, you were still searching uh, for where you wanted to be. 
So I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go on with your story. Yeah, you know, um, you know, there's always the the confluence of so many things at that time, and you know, when when we're in our 40s, I I don't know what midlife is, but I guess it's somewhere around you know 45 <laughs> into 60, or you know, <laughs> you know, and you know, 45 is probably the new 35. But but um, uh, she was a a um, she was my Yoda, and um, but she was an old Yoda, and you know, none, none of us live forever. <laughs> Right. And I and I didn't want her to to go to pass on, but she had taken the place of my parents who had passed on earlier, and so I, it was just one more reminder, Chicky, I think about you know how what our time here is and and how we spend that. So yes, I was in in at the same time thinking of that first step of of real change and disruption, and that's to dream, to imagine. And so I started to to read about learning to fly, and it took me several months to get through a textbook. Now, I hadn't signed up for classes. I was just reading. Right. And discussing and thinking. But that's not doing. That's the next step. And that's the hard uh, second step. <laughs> right. Because that's the dedication. So so I finally stepped into um, into a flight school, and that's when I realized how very different I was compared to the typical flight student. Right, right. Well, and the the thing I love about this book is, first of all, you are just such a great storyteller. And and before we go on uh, to talk about that experience when you walked in, into the flight school that day, so you went through this whole experience, and I, I'm I'm wondering what got you to the place where you actually decided to write a book about it. Uh, and and again, we'll come back to the story, but I, I'm I'm wondering how you get uh, you know from living it to actually deciding that you want to write about it and then then getting someone to publish that, you know, what was that journey like for you? Well, that's a couple of, you know, different journeys. But the, the real why of it is that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, to, to go to jump through the story too quickly and give anything away just yet. But I will say that it came to me how powerful, it is to uh, live the life you always imagined, and it in such a powerful dream. It changes, it you no, know, it just transforms yourself so much, and it is passed on. Uh, Two, it connects. You get connected to others in ways that change them. So I thought to myself, you know, how can it's 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 a it's a way to to let others know that this is this is something worth doing because finding the wow is that personal awe that connects you to right right what is well and, and and the journey was you know had you surrounded by others uh, of course and and before you actually went to to take the lessons you actually decided to kind of float the idea with your the the women who you had been close to and yes. again i'm not quite sure that you you were really such deep friends at that juncture other than you guys, you know, kind of did all the school stuff together. Your kids went to school. Um, so, so talk to us about the chicks in charge. 
Right. Well, you know, in addition to the steps for changes, there are definitely keys to success to help you stay the course. And um, I found a, a handful of those, and, and those were part of the, the journey's lessons. One is to find your support, and, and I did. I had a, a group, and we called ourselves the Chicks in Charge, and um, and we were all in a state of flux of some sort. But here are the, the kernels of what made that group so important. They, um, it's important, one of those keys to success is to find your support because you need a safe place when you're already operating from the outside. Right. And you need confidence and you need the cavalry, you know, when things don't go quite right. And that's what they were. Right. And, and so were they supportive from word one? Oh, no, you know, I mean, one of them just said, wait, 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 wait. Of all the things you could do, MJ, you you want to go up in an airplane? <laughs> Are you seriously? I mean, I think, you know, I mean, is this is this an, a gesture of anarchy or is this something you really love? How true is this? And, um and you know, you really do think you're a little bit crazy sometimes when you right. when you are so far out of the box. But it, but something and it resonates for you. You don't know until you try. And that was that was my that those were the first months to show right. up. Right, and it's so point. interesting, you know, that that the people who who surround you sometimes can't see that that stroke of brilliance, right? I mean, the one that I'm remembering in my own life was uh, when I met my husband. Um, I was 33 and had never been married, and I was not known to be impulsive. But uh, I met this guy. I actually went to Mexico with him and a bunch of his friends the next day. I, I worked for American Airlines uh, for their computer division at the time, so it was really no big deal because I had flight privileges. But when I, uh, when I came back, less than mm-hmm. two months later, we were married. And, you know, again, when I went to Mexico, my best friend said to me, you know, are you crazy? You just met this guy last night. It's like, you know what, if I get down there and it's awful, I can just hop in a cab and come back. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not that big a deal. Um, but but they they weren't supportive out of the gate. And, I mean, they certainly are now. And we've now been married 26 years and kind of proved everybody wrong who, who thought, thought I was crazy. Yeah. But uh, these, these women ended up playing a really pivotal role, as did your family. So, so talk to me a little bit about your, your husband's response. And, you know, you had played this very traditional role of, you know, the, the stay-at-home mom, which also implies, you know, that he can walk in the door and, you know, dinner is either ready or it's about to be ready. And so how did this fly with him? Well, you know, he knew I, I was pretty independent because we also married at 33. Uh, I was 32 or something as well. And um, I had, uh, I was in the middle of a, a huge corporate job with Hewlett Packard and then changed to a biotech job. So, you know, I I think he knew I was, I was, um, there was an independent streak to me. Um what he probably didn't know was that I could step into a very different sort of area that that uh, um, would require technical skills that I didn't have. I mean, you know, it wasn't like some of my classmates in flight school could probably take apart their car and reassemble it before the next class. 
and I was studying, you know, the the engine just to understand, you know, the cylinder from the spark plugs. <laughs> right. And um but he was supportive because the only thing he didn't want me to do was helicopters. And I can't figure that one out. I mean, you know, risk is risk. I mean, but 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 it was scary, Jiggy. It it really was. There was fear about, you know, should I do this with my family? There were other moms at the school that said I was I was uh, that I was crazy and right, and right. that I was being reckless, and um, I could have easily quit before I started. But you didn't, and you did walk into the flight school and and talk to us about that moment, and then then introduce us to Bravo. Okay. Well, as I said, I I read the the, the textbook because I'm still in the dream mode, and it's very safe to read and study, and I'm very good at it. And I walked, I signed up for flight classes, and had my three ring binder, and you know I'm you know this tossle haired, you know, midlife mom saying hello to everybody. And um and and they're all guys. And they're half my age. And they have these cool flight glasses and really nice, you know, leather jackets. And I sit down and they kinda of look at me because they're probably trying to figure out why I'm there. <laughs> it's like she's just she's just crashed our fraternity party. Or really or picturing their mom, you know, doing the same thing and wondering how they would react. You know, of course, I sit down and I open my three binder and I've got it all organized and and um and so I it, it was an opportunity for me to feel very very out of of you know the ordinary and um and I I I did I stayed and I I really wound up very much enjoying my my classmates now. I found out too that they had changed the textbook, so I had to reread the whole darn thing. But oh, no. you know, I, no, it's okay. It was like I'll stay up late, I'll read it. And by the way, here's your airplane, as you mentioned, and its its identifier ended in a B, and that stands for Bravo. And here's this little Cessna that was built around the time of the 80s, 1980s, and here it is, about 2003 or four. And I look at this small thing that looks like a VW with wings, <laughs> and I'm thinking. This is not my dream. <laughs> this is not right, the airplane right. that I've waited all my life for. Had a you know a red stripe that was, you know, in desperate need of some wax anyway. And and I thought nah. But the turning point was you know that my instructor said, well, should we can we see together what this small airplane can do? And it was awake an awakening for me. And a first lesson for me that you can't judge by looks alone, because I live in the Bay Area. We went out to the Central Valley, and at that time of year, you could see the snow on the Sierra Nevada in the distance, and then in from the west, you could see the Marin Headlands, and the world was at your feet, and that was what I meant by I. And my fate was sealed, and I, I've i never looked back. So that was the first lesson. Right, but right. But, you know, it it's so easy. interesting that that it was this mixture of, of you know, fear and trepidation, excitement, um, and, and this incredible sensory uh, experience, because you describe in, in uh, 
really, really strong detail. Uh, the smells and the sights and, and just this whole experience of getting uh, into the plane for the first time and, and, you know, touching it and smelling it, like I said, and, and then to watch over the course of the book, um, you know, how your, and I, I have to say it this way, your love for Bravo um, really, really grew to where, you know, when you had to even think about getting in a different aircraft, um, you know, that security that was provided, you know, even by those things that, that maybe, well, they definitely weren't perfect and they definitely weren't your dream, uh, but they became a really important part of the experience. Precisely. Uh, at this point, I'm in the second step of what would be that changing um, um, landscape, and that is I dedicated myself to do to become a pilot. All I wanted, Chicky, was one license. And um but you know, you have to break a lot of your own barriers too. And and that was, you know, my fears, my fears of, you know, I'd have to fly this thing before the first license by myself for several hours to practice, to get distance and hours and the chatter, you know, in my headset it's another language above our heads. <laughs> right. And that's making sense to my flight instructor who's nodding and smiling and looking over at me with a little thumbs up. And I look over and smile and nod thinking, what the heck? Um, and I'm thinking, how how can I do this? So here's the dream and here's the mountain. And I'm thinking, how do I do this? Well, the fear was learning about fear and, and you know a lot of times it's what I learned was a lot of times it's uh, expecting a bad outcome and not even knowing but you just right you know what if it's not good and I and I told myself just fly one hour at a time and and that's how I continued Wow. I decided to fly an hour at a time and to to be as prepared as I could every for every lesson. Right. But of course that didn't mean I wouldn't make mistakes. Well, and again, throughout this, you know, life continued to go on around you, right? And and I know it's all consuming when you are doing something new and particularly pursuing your dream like you were. But in the midst of that, um different things were going on in your friends' lives. And and that plays a really important part of the book. And, and you begin to tell uh, the story of what they're going through and and how you were able to use what you were learning to help prop them up. Um, uh, one of the, uh, I think the reference that you're making, Chickie, is that one of my friends um, was diagnosed with cancer. Right, um, breast cancer, and it could happen to any of us. It occurred to us as a group. This wasn't a strike of lightning that she brought on herself. Anything she did, this is what happens. And yeah, we, you know, uh, we um, huddled together even even closer, trying to find a way to make sense of what didn't make sense, and still encourage each other. To to stay braced even through a, a lot of fearful time. Of course, she was going right. through a whole, a diff, you know, a different set of fears. And yet, 
when I wanted to quit, oh, because the lesson wasn't good, the instructor was not making sense to me, and who needs this? She's the one that said, you can't quit because it's hard, just like I can't. And so that's an example of, of, of how we come to help one another. Right, right. And and so uh, over the cor- course of your story, uh, your first instructor was uh, w- was just very very supportive. And then you know, kind of mid mid story, uh, you get a new instructor, and he wasn't so so comfy and and wasn't so supportive. And and this this is life. You know, we we go along and we've got somebody that we report to, or maybe we have a member of our board and then we bring in, you know, new investors and all of a sudden, you know, uh, that comfort you previously had isn't there anymore. Yes. So so talk to us a little bit about how you transitioned through that. Well, um, you know, one of the other keys to, to being successful, you know, besides finding your support is allowing the imperfect both in yourself and in others. You know, I, I told myself I had to focus on the dream. What is the goal? What is my personal mission in being there? One, license. And, um, and you know, aviation is a man's world. And uh, it's, it, it, it comes from a heritage of it being, you know, a boys club. Uh, 6% of all pilots are women. And that figure hasn't changed a whole lot over the last couple of decades. It's right around 5 or 6%. So I didn't know that, and it's probably a good thing I didn't because it would have been one more thing that would have scared me. But I didn't know that when I went into it. And certainly not many women start in their 40s. So, you know, I, again, those biases, those different modus operandi, but how to stay the course. And sometimes it means that you tolerate only so much, and then go find another instructor. And when I found a female instructor, it wasn't it wasn't the answer, as, as, as a few of us thought it might be. Like, oh, female instructor, that would be terrific. Of course, she's going to be just like, no, you know, it's just, it's personalities. And like you said, um, you're choosing what works for you, and you you have to, to look at each day as <laughs> it may be may not be quite as perfect as you'd like. Right. But can you get to the dream? Well, and you know, it's interesting because I know uh you you describe at one point in the book about kind of grounding yourself as you're in in a tough situation in the air and 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 you're taught to look at the horizon. Right? And I mean, I think about being on a cruise ship and and if there's terrible turbulence, they tell you to do the same thing. And and so you stayed mm-hmm. grounded uh, again, your dream was the horizon, and I, I love that. Um, I would love for you, to, uh, and I want to get to kind of your, your life after the book, um, and, and I don't want to give away all of the parts of the story because, uh, you know, I really want, want our listeners to, to buy it and read it because it, it really is an amazing personal journey that you feel like you're a part of as you're reading it. Um, but I'd love for you to tell us a couple of your, your more harrowing stories, uh, you know, from the book uh, where your confidence really was shaken because of what was going on. And there, there were a couple of them that I'm remembering, but I'd love you to tell us, uh, you know, kind of your favorite story. Um, well, 
you know, I, I, the third one of the three of the four success keys, I think, is to have a sense of humor. And sometimes at the time you might not be laughing at it, but you you look back on it. Um, you know, I think what you what you might be uh, suggesting is um, I'm thinking of a couple mistakes I made, and I, I I share them in the story because I find that when it was something like being in the air, because so very few people decide to be pilots, I think it's it was important for me as I wrote it to be to open up vulnerably and to say, look, here's what I did. And here's how I messed up, um, and here's how I what I how I recovered from it. One of the things was that I there's there's nothing more remarkable than flying by yourself. And and as a student pilot, which this book is about, you don't have a whole lot of hours. You know, maybe I don't know, you know, a couple dozen of hours in an airplane. Of course, every minute counts. So I'm now signed off to fly solo, which was remarkable to me. So I had to go down the Central Valley, land the airplane, and come back. It's about 50 minutes in, in my little Bravo. So I prepare my 3 by 5 cards, Chicky, and I have every detail. After I get in the air, I will do this. I will reconfigure the airplane. I will change my transponder. I will get this frequency. I will look for this river down below, all will be fine. So in all of this remarkable planning, I take my cards with me. I'm walking to the airplane that morning. I'm thinking, oh, please, don't let me screw this up today. You know, I've just, I know I can do this. So I'm feeling pretty confident, and I'm feeling so prepared. But life has its, has its twist. So I get in the airplane. I'm taking off. I'm thinking, I'm in this airplane. We're together, alone, and together, going down the valley. And it was a hot day. And so I opened the fence on each side of, you know, where I'm sitting, the cockpit side on the left. And all the cards blow out. (laughs) I mean, they just go... And, you know, some blow behind me, and one pasted itself against the window on my left, and by the time I tried to reach for it, it's it's floating on its way down to Central California, and oh, I'm thinking, no. And, no, and I'm, like, deeply into this, so I'm thinking, turn around, what are the options, 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 and like the, the first instructor said, and this is a, this is life, right. fly the plane, fly the plane. And even if you watch the Sully movie, fly the airplane. Yes. You have to remember that you have this machine that you can control no matter what. So I I worked my way out of that. It was a very unusual landing um, further down the valley. I did finish the flight, but uh, I think I scared the pants off the control towers. I came in like a jet pilot. Anyway, um, and made it back. These are the kinds of things that happen. My mic went hot. Oh, this is several hours later, and I'm practicing just at my home airfield. Now the tower and all the guys up there know me. They know the female in Bravo. Now, a hot mic means that 
it's everything you say is being heard. It's right. not going on. You press a little button and you're hurt. You let go of the little button and it's open. <laughs> right. So, and it was stuck. And it was, but I don't know it's stuck because when it's hot and stuck, you don't know. So <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm feeling really, you know, like I'm really kicking it that day and feeling a little more than I, you know, would usually feel about myself, but I'm feeling pretty good and the confidence is soaring. And I'm going, damn, that's a good landing. And I'm doing all these different maneuvers and coming around and landing again and taking off and staying what's called right in the pattern. And the tower heard everything. I was whistling. I was singing. I told myself I was good and if it wasn't quite right, I, I, you know, it's terrible. I can, you know, like Julie Andrews, we both can swear like sailors. And so, I was, oh, that's not good. And then I got to take it all off again. Oh, no. <laughs> well, well, you know, when they told me it was hot and I had to land, I did. And I thought, oh, no, I'll never be able to cross paths with them. They hurt. What did I say? Oh, no. But, um, you know, this is... Uh, this is part of how it is we can just get up and, and laugh at ourselves. Right, right. Well, and, and again, that that's life, you know, <laughs> because you know, people people do see us uh, sometimes at, at our worst or, or at our most embarrassing, and uh, the ability to move on beyond that is, is uh, really, really crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, you you have talked about the different components of the lessons. So why don't you bring us to a close on on those lessons learned? Because I do want to hear about the space side of your dream. Because you you wanted to be both a pilot and you know wanted to be involved in space. Mm-hmm. So so let's uh, let's transition to that. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, of course, the last step and change is the third important step is is really the hard work. You can't give up. Um, and. Uh, and it was very important for me not to only not give up, but to be good at what I did. So I didn't get just the license. I got five. And I became a flight instructor. Now this is, you know, several years later. It's about 20, 10, 2011 now. And it turned out that this opened the doors to my other dream. Um, you know, Martin Buber said all journeys have secret destinations. and And this was one that I hadn't thought would transpire, but it did. And um, I met, uh, I was very aware of what was happening in space and in commercial space. A short time after I started teaching flight myself, um, which is just amazing, because now I'm I'm showing others how to find the mm-hmm. extraordinary. And uh, I became a, um, a mission support representative for Virgin Galactic. Uh, and... Um, and got the training for suborbital space. So now I'm in another flight class, but in a simulator out in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I'm reaching that edge in the simulator. And I'm thinking, I don't think there's anything more glorious than this, except if I had really been able to be a real astronaut. And um, and and in my field, I meet some others and uh, submitted a proposal that would later... Uh, put me in contact and uh, work with a company called Made in Space. That's a, a space manufacturing company, and that's what I um, also do. 
today I'm a, a principal investigator from InSpace, um, mm. and I've got an experiment on the space station. So the marvels of the journey is that there will be marvels that you can't even imagine. Right. Well, MJ, you know, this this entire book uh, is really a, a message about it never being too late. And whatever you have imagined and whatever you have thought can be done if you just take those steps. So why don't you just remind our listeners of what those steps are and then uh, tell them how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to have you come and speak at their event uh, or just if they'd like to follow you online. Oh, that'd be great, Chicky. That'd be wonderful. Well, again, you know, it, it is a month of change since January, and the and the steps to 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 making that um, to me are three incredible steps, um, each taking its own time. You're going to dream and imagine. The second is that you'll be dedicating yourself to doing something. And the third is there's no other way around it than just hard work, but not to give up. Um, you will have an opportunity, and this is the most remarkable, to pay it forward and connect connect with others. I'm, I've got a group of students that I work with on the, the station project. Um, today I'm also uh, a graduate student to work on a research project for space. Oh, but the wow. keys to success is the you know to do what you love, find your support, allow yourself to be imperfect, to make mistakes, and to make sure you maintain that sense of humor. Right. Um, really, you know what flying taught me above and beyond aviation is that, uh, like you said, it's never too late to follow your dream, and don't let fear rule your life. Right. Um, I'm. Uh, this is M. J. Margraf, and, and the name of the book is Finding the Wow, and it's available on Amazon. Um, you're welcome to contact me at mjmargraf.com, and I'd be happy to talk with you, and particularly to encourage you, because we underestimate ourselves so much. And right, right. Well, MJ, it has just been delightful to hear your story. And uh, again, uh, the book, I, I read it cover to cover on, on a single uh, flight. I was on my way out to see my sister, who who actually, uh, you know, is in her third bout with breast cancer. And so it was particularly poignant for me uh, to see the part of the story in, in you dealing with your friend's illness and, and the support because I needed some practical words to use uh, in that support. And so many of us have, have people in our lives who have cancer or who, who have, you know, a child or a parent or, um, you know, someone that they know who has cancer. And, and so, you know, it kind of had that unexpected benefit for me. And, you know, I think I had a better visit with her as a result. And, and since then, uh, even though she uh, was at stage four, it had gone into her spine and into her bones and her legs and her, her lungs. She actually just got a clean bill of health. Uh, recently that uh, there is no trace of the cancer. And, I mean, we certainly have had oh, tons of prayers for her. 
And, uh, you know, even though she, uh, you know, doesn't have uh, quite as strong a faith as, as uh, perhaps I do uh, in really believing that the healer uh, really loves to heal us, um, that, uh, you know, she is now enjoying, uh, you know, the reprieve of what she thought was a, a sure death sentence. So That's so thank fantastic. you for that part of your transparency uh, and, and also your, your friend for, um, you know, her willingness to let you tell her story, and and uh, uh, again the other the other friend uh, had some challenges too, but I'm not going to spoil that part of the story uh, because it's also something that's very common, uh, you know, with with folks in our lives. So so pick up the book. It's called Finding the Wow: How Dreams Take Flight at Midlife. MJ, it has been really really terrific. And again, if you thank go to you, her website, MJ Margraf. Um, you can find all of the links to follow her on social media and, and read a bit more about uh, what she is doing uh, in her, her latest venture in space. So, MJ, have a terrific weekend, and thanks again so much uh, for, Thank you. for being with us. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Chickie. All right. Terrific. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas inspiration innovation with chickie fitzgerald